So uh, first off, I just want to say, what's baptism all about? Baptism is this picture of what Jesus has done in our lives. And so Jesus was hung up on a cross. He paid for our sins, and then he was placed into the grave, and then he rose back from the dead. And what we do in here is we place people down into the water and then back up, kind of like this new life is now resurrected, this new thing. And so baptism doesn't save us. It's just a picture of the fact that Jesus already has saved us. And so we're so excited to be celebrating that tonight with three different people. And so first off, we are going to start with Sandra. So would you guys give a huge living word welcome to Sandra. She makes her way out here and comes into the tank. All right, here she comes. Awesome. All right, Sandra, we're so glad you are here. We're so excited about tonight and uh, what God's doing in your life. It's incredible. And so I'm going to read Sandra's testimony. She wrote out a little bit of her, of her story, and so I'm going to read that out. And so she says, I grew up worshiping a religion. As a kid, I participated in Sunday school, sung hymns, but never felt connected to Scripture or to God. My thinking was that if I kept going to church, God would somehow reward me for just attending service. As I grew, I drifted from the church because I wanted to live my life following my own rules. My life took a turn in 2017 and 2018 when I went through a dark period where I experienced a series of rejection, which led to loneliness and made me question why I was on this earth. I cried so many tears during that span of a year. I let the enemy's lies trick me into believing that I was worthless, that I didn't belong anywhere, and that nobody will ever want to be with me. As time went on, I felt something in, heart, in my heart tell me to go to God. A couple of days before my 24th birthday, I asked my mom to give me a Bible as a birthday gift. When I got my Bible, I was happy that I wanted to make the effort to get to know God, but I, I didn't feel ready to give my life over to him because I didn't want to worship a religion. I didn't want to go to church and just sing hymns and forget about the sermon as I went about my week. I wanted to have an honest relationship with God, and that required me to be honest with myself about the hurt that I've caused and the hurt has been done to me. During this time of deep reflection, I removed myself from people who reminded me of toxic, toxicity. In order for me to be free, I needed to get away from people and things that were causing me to spiral. I lost a lot of friends and gave up alcohol. I asked God for forgiveness, and I began to actively seek him out. I started praying again, opened up my Bible, which led me to find peace with my, within myself and in my life. Last fall, I had the opportunity to attend Basicon, which is a New York State Christian College Ministry Conference. At the conference, we sang the song Waymaker, and the line that stood out to me and still does to this day is, even when I don't see it, you're working, and even when I don't feel it, you're working. God has always been there and will continue to be there for me working on my behalf. I didn't realize this when I was trying to control everything in life because I resisted him. The resistance made me oblivious to the fact that the Lord, my Savior, was right there through it all, patiently waiting for me to be ready. God has made a positive difference in my life. I feel free, and I learned what it truly means to love yourself. I wouldn't have found this type of freedom and love if I kept on learning, leaning on my own understanding. I was so lost, and I'm glad that I listened when the Holy Spirit spoke to me at my lowest point. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us, which was to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life. Jesus' death and resurrection has more meaning to me now because he embodied the true definition of unconditional love for all of us. Today, I get baptized because I want to renew my faith and my relationship with God. I want to put all my trust in God and surrender everything to him. Awesome. Let's hear it for Sandra's story. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right. I'm just going to pray for Sandra, and then we'll go ahead with the baptism. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for Sandra. We thank you for her life and for her being here. And we thank you for what you've done and the way that you have shown her freedom and joy and hope and a life worth living, God. And I pray you'll encourage her. I pray that this will be a beautiful step for her. And I just pray, God, you'll keep your hand on her in really special ways. Your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm just going to put this down for a minute, and we're going to baptize Sandra.
Thank you so much. That's great. All right. Next, we're going to welcome Allie to come out. And uh, if you've been to our church before, then you know that normally what we do is we have the people getting baptized make a video, and obviously we can't show you a video here. And so Allie is going to come, and she's going to share a little bit. So why don't you guys give Allie a huge welcome and say how excited you are that she is here. All right. Awesome. Great. All righty. Hi, everyone. Um, So I've been a Christian my whole life. I was raised Christian, um, went to Sunday school, went to Christian school. But it really wasn't until my senior year that that was something that I began to take more seriously and I wanted to genuinely take the steps to seek God in my life. And so it was my senior year when I started, like, I just didn't have the same tolerance for stuff that I had before. I, like, didn't want to be around the same people. And it got really hard my freshman year of college. My freshman year of college, I was on my own. My friends went to school. Um... And I was just, like, by myself. And it wasn't until then that I was, like, wow, I'm kind of really on my own. And I kind of hit this really just, like, scary, like, sad place of just, like, feeling alone and just feeling sad constantly. And I would just, that was when I was, like, I just felt God saying, like, it's I just had to lean on him completely. And so I I was leaning on God just completely, like, all I would do was, like, wake up read my Bible, listen to worship music, listen to a message after message after message, and just seeking out God in that time. And I was praying. I was like, I just need friends. I was like, I need a good, just Christian community. I need people around me. I need people supporting me. And that was about a year ago now. And it's been about a year that I've been going to church here. And, you know, I look around and I see like some of the most important people in my life, my closest friends. Um, And it wasn't instant. Like that change of, of feeling better was not instant. And I think that was a little difficult because I just wanted to feel better. But like with seeking God and that constant, just little by little change and little by little feeling better, I saw like just God moving and pulling me closer to him and closer to him. So now I want to get baptized just because I always thought when I was younger that I'd wait till I was older in high school. And then I was in high school and it just wasn't like a priority. And now where I am now, like I've come to realize that if God isn't my priority, if seeking him isn't my priority, then the things that I do don't really count for anything. So I just want to take that step today. Awesome. Woo. Thank you so much, Allie. That's awesome. So proud of you. That's incredible. All right, let's pray for Allie. God, we just lift Allie to you. Thank you so much again for her life. Thank you, God, for her heart and uh, just the place she's in right now and the things you've done to get her here. Thank you for surrounding her with Christian community that love her and that she loves. And God, we just pray that you'll continue to do some beautiful things in Allie's life, drawing her deeper and deeper into who you are. Thank you for that hunger that's in her heart and that desire to grow in you. Let her life be a blessing. In your name we pray, amen. All right. Yes, thank you guys. Yeah, let's give it up for Allie. All right, our last one tonight is Aiden. So would you guys give Aiden a huge welcome? As he makes his way out. All right, bud. Okay, once again, Ada would have made an awesome video for you, but he wrote something out, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that. So he says, I always believed that there was some entity out there. I was religious earlier in my life, but I lost sight of God after some challenging situations. In junior high and high school, I didn't really believe in God or see the importance of a relationship with him. The fact that I could run that far from God, and he says, honestly, I was an atheist in high school, and come back, shows me how powerful 
his love is. On June 17, 2018, a friend invited me to Living Word, and I've continued returning ever since. That just goes to show you never know what road God will take you down, but as long as you have faith, you'll be all right. The fact that I can return to God at any time, even after a lot of time passed, to find my relationship with God. No matter what happened or how sinful you are, if you just ask forgiveness and ask to return to God, he will welcome you in. God is righteous and loving. I rediscovered my connection to God while I was going through a difficult time emotionally and mentally. God and the church provided me with a community that I otherwise wouldn't have had access to. My faith in him has provided me with something to believe in and look forward to even when things are hard. After two years with the church, I'm finally at a point in my life where I want to not just dip my toes in the water or have a place to go on Sunday, but to start to build a life with God as the cornerstone. I think Jesus' death showed his faith in his father, believing that God would always remain by his side and bring him peace in his greatest pain and agony. His resurrection shows that even when things are incredibly dark, there's always the potential for a new start. Ultimately, life can change for the better. Learning that I could have a new start every day truly made life worth living. My faith in him makes getting up in the morning and moving through life exhilarating. That is awesome. Let's hear it for Aiden's story. That's beautiful, man. Thank you so much, buddy. All right. That's great. Let me pray for you. God, we are so thankful for what you're doing in Aiden. It has been so much fun to get to have kind of a front row seat to all that you're doing in his life over these last two years. And I just pray for him, God, that you'll continue to draw him to you, that you'll continue this loving relationship that he has with you, God, and that the things that are ahead would be truly mind-blowing, God, as you unfold your plans for Aiden. We just dedicate him to you in a beautiful way right now. Let every aspect of his life, God, just be uh, laid down at your feet, and God, would you use them in beautiful ways. In your name, amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aiden. Awesome, man. I'm so proud of these guys. It's so cool. And uh, we do these baptisms from time to time. And so if you're interested, if you haven't been baptized, or we actually had some people this morning that got baptized kind of either as an infant or early in life and then didn't really know what they were doing clearly and then decided, you know what, I want to do this because like I've never, now I realize what this is about. And so if that's you, we'd love to baptize you in the near future as well. So tonight there's a powerful testimony that you guys are going to hear on top of the three you just heard. Uh, Nick Amato's been coming to the church for many years. He's going to talk a little bit about that. And um, if you feel far from God, I believe that he's going to encourage you and show you the love of God. And if you feel close to God, I think he's going to challenge you and maybe help you get some guardrails in your life in some important areas. And so I so appreciate Nick and all that he shared today and poured out and God's been using him in a beautiful way. So would you guys welcome Nick to the stage here? What is up night service? How's it going guys? Yeah, love it. Uh, this is cool. Awesome. Um, well, I'm really honored that uh, Doug asked me to do this. I've uh, known Doug for a very long time, and I'm very grateful for his uh, friendship. Um, so before I jump into my testimony, I just want to start with two things, just straight off the bat. Um, I want to be clear that there's never an excuse for sin, and sin is never okay. And I just want to be upfront about that now. Like, with my testimony, I want you guys to know, like, there's nothing that makes sin okay, and keep that in the back of your mind as I speak uh, tonight, because I don't want you guys to ever think that I would justify anything that I share. So sin is never okay. Second thing is God's grace and love is more than enough to forgive us and cover us for all of our sins, and that is an awesome thing to know. Um, so with those two things, we're going to jump into my testimony. 
Um, I was born June 16th, 1989 on Father's Day. And my dad likes to tell me every year that I was the best gift he ever got for Father's Day. And I would tend to agree with him. Um, and uh, so, but my parents got divorced at a very young age, when I, when I was at a very young age. And um, I have an older brother, and we grew up with parents that got divorced. And so, to give clarity about that, I'm going to talk about life with my mom first, and then life with my dad. Um, so life with my mom was, was tough. Um, she had a lot of mental uh, health issues and, and physical issues and, and stuff like that. And because of that, she surrounded us in a very tough you know, situation. And uh, my first memory as a child is one of her boyfriends would take my crib and roll it into the middle of the room and turn off all the lights and walk around with a lighter and scare me. Um, so that's the kind of environment my brother and I grew up with with my mom. Um, she was into drugs and alcohol, and because she was so unhealthy, she acted a certain way to try to always cover herself and protect herself uh, for the way she acted. Um, my mom was a manipulator, she was a liar, um, she played the victim, she was a self-sabotager, and that had a lot to do with her mental health. But I was a mama's boy, and so monkey see, monkey do, and uh, I started smoking and drinking when I was eight. Um, I just wanted to be loved by my mom, and that's why I started doing that. And uh, I remember going to school in fourth grade, hungover, just because I would drink so much. And that was life with my mom and what me and my brother had to deal with. And life with my dad was a little different. Um, my dad did the best he could with the situation he was in. Like, he, he tried his best as a single father trying to raise two crazy kids. Um, I mean, he cared so much at times when we had apartments we lived in, he would sleep on the couch so my brother and I would have beds. And, uh, and it's tough because when I was a kid, I didn't understand how hard it is to be an adult. And now as an adult and just trying to get through life, like I see how much my dad sacrificed for us. And you know, real quick, like have grace for your parents, guys, because they're doing their best and it's not easy. And I didn't get that when I was young, but I get it now. Um, but because my dad had to work so much, um, me and my brother had babysitters, and I mean, we chased so many babysitters away. We had one babysitter in the middle of watching us, literally just get up and drive and leave, and boom, gone. That's how awful we were. And so the, the slush fund of good babysitters was kind of drying up, and my dad is trying to take care of us and work and, you know, provide. So he, at this point, he got really desperate. He'll take any babysitter he could get. And um, there were some babysitters that just did not treat me and my brother well. Uh, one babysitter would lock us outside, and he would say, if you can climb through the window, you can come in. And my brother was skinny and tall, boom, jumped through the window, good to go. And me, I was you know, short and chubby, and wasn't happening. And uh, I would just sit outside, and uh, he would say, right before my dad got home, if you tell your dad, I'll leave you outside again. And I wouldn't tell my dad, and he would still leave me outside again. Um, another babysitter thought it would be a good idea to hang me from my feet from a tree with rope. And so I hung there, and I yelled so loud that the neighbor heard it and came and had to let me down. Um, and eventually, like, my brother and I were just tired of it. We told our dad, and our dad just did not believe us. We chased away so many babysitters, and he is like, why would I believe you now when you guys acted a certain way? Now, I get it as an adult, but as a child, that caused a wound that my dad doesn't care for me or love me. And so that was life with my dad. But one day, things changed. 
my dad started acting different. Like he was in our lives. He was spending time with us. And it was like, what is, what's going on? Like you're putting effort in. Like he had patience. And this is how I know there's a God. He had patience to put up with my brother and I and not get angry at us so many times. Like it's cool to see how God changed looking back now. And that's because he got saved. I started going to church and just putting so much effort into my brother and I. And, you know, that was cool. But growing up, you don't think your dad's cool. And so he would try to make us go to church, and, like, we were not having it. We just would not go. Um, but my dad would still love us and still bring us and, and just poured into us. Uh, eventually, my older brother started going to youth group, and he got saved. And my brother is a very passionate brother. Like, he cares hard when he cares. And he's the kind of brother to be like, Nick, you're getting saved if you like it or not. Like, this is what you're doing. That's it. You know, and, and he just constantly would be pouring into me and just challenging me and, and just being there for me. But even then, I was like, nah, bro, I'm good. I have my, my drinking. I have my cigarette. I'm smoking. I'm good. This is what all I need. This is how I'm going to cope with my life. Um, me and my brother loved music growing up, and we listened to, like, some of the worst music you can think of. Like, adults shouldn't listen to it, let alone kids. And uh, I never forgot. I put one of my CDs in to listen to it. And it won't play. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is so weird. And I take up the CD, and there's, like, cut marks in all of them. My brother took all my CDs with a knife and cut them all up. And he's like, you might not thank me now, but you'll thank me later. And he was right. I did not thank him then, but I, I do thank him now. Um, and so eventually I got old enough to go to youth group, and I was like, all right, I'll go. I'll check this out. And first time I went was uh, June 26, 2000. It was a Wednesday night. And uh, the youth group at the time, there was a senior high and junior high, so we would split up. Senior high stayed upstairs, junior high would go downstairs. Go downstairs, and the youth pastor was standing there greeting everyone. He had goatee, curly hair, and it was Doug Jansen, my youth pastor. And uh, i never forget the message he gave. He talked about because of sin, we have a void in our heart and an emptiness, and we try to fill it with all these worldly things. And, of course, he's talking to middle schoolers, so he's you know, relating to middle schoolers. But for me, like, I was thinking about all the, the smoking, all the drinking I was doing, everything that I was trying to do to fill that void. Like, it hit me so hard. And he talked about how only God can fill that void. And, like, I was like, I want that. That's what I need. And that night, I got saved, turned my life over to Christ, and I gave up all the smoking and drinking right away. Um, and it was cool to see how God started working. I uh, got quickly involved in, in the church. I started helping out in the youth group, and uh, Anthony Cry was there. So I got to hang out with him quite a bit. And uh, I even started working at my church eventually. And, uh, but over time, your past can haunt your future if you don't address it. And that was me. Uh, just everything that I went through as a child, I just did not address. I never dealt with it. But at this time in my life, like, I've been walking with God for a long time. And I thought in my head, well, People can't know that I'm hurting now. And I felt like I'm like, if I act perfect, then no one will know I'm dealing with these issues. And maybe I can fix them by myself quietly alone. And what that did was create a cycle of me being stuck in all those issues in my heart that I was dealing with. And I just could not deal with it. So I thought, all right, I can't deal with it. And I don't want anyone to know about it. So if I don't want anyone to know about it, if I point the finger at everyone else, no one can point the finger at me. I became so judgmental. I became so harsh. I mean, I was a Bible thumper. I was the guy who would try to catch people in sin and go, aha, gotcha. Um, I guess the way I can put it, like, I was the original Karen before there was a Karen kind of thing. Like, that was me. You know, that's just how I acted. And I thought, as long as I do this, no one will know, and I'll maybe deal with my issues, and no one will have to know. And, And honestly, that was my pride, thinking I can deal with it alone. But that's where I was in life. 
and it didn't work. So eventually I was like, all right, this didn't work either. Let me go to Bible school. That, that has to be the answer. And so I went to Word of Life. And for a while, honestly, it was great. But like going to Word of Life for me was like cutting off the branches off a weed, like leaving the roots. And for a while, you're great, but it grows back over time, and it grows back even stronger. And that was me at Bible school at first. Things were great. Like, honestly, I was like, oh, see, I'm good now. Thank goodness. I dealt with it. No more. And it came right back. And I was like, ah, I still have these issues, these pains, these stuff I'm wrestling with from my past. And they say when you go to a Bible school, ring by spring or your money back. And... Uh, I was like, all right, so maybe if I find, like, a godly girl to date, like, that will, that will fix it. Like, she'll, she'll be able to fix me. And I found a godly girl there, and we started dating. And it was the exact opposite of what I thought. It just fed even more into my dysfunction. But at this point, at the time, I'm still working at my church, and I'm dating. And people, you know, they mean well, but they'll come up to you and say, oh, you've been dating for a while. When you're getting married, and let me just say this real quick, like, please don't do that to anyone. It is, like, the worst thing to do because it puts such a pressure on those people that you don't know what they're dealing with. They may be in like a really tough spot. And saying something like that, for me, it put a lot of pressure on me to feel like I had to do it even though I knew I was messed up. And I think something that might be better to do is, hey, how can we pray for you? I think that's way more powerful and I think that's more inviting than saying something like that. But that was that's when I worked at a church and everyone thought I had it together when you're getting married. And I'm sitting here wrestling with, all right, I want to be perfect. I, people want me to get married, but I don't want to get married. And I'm like really messed up. And I'm like wrestling with these three different thoughts. And eventually, you know, we rationalize our sin when we don't deal with it. And I was still stuck in this cycle of all this stuff because I wasn't dealing with it. And so I said, well, maybe if I get married, now I'll be good. That will clearly fix everything. So I moved forward and I got married. And getting married was like throwing gasoline in a fire. And that fire was my life. Like, things exploded right away. It brought back so much pain and hurt. Um, my, I grew up with my grandparents, and my grandfather was very harsh towards my mom and grandma at times. And I would see them, like, I would never act like that. And in my marriage, all of a sudden, boom, I started acting like that. I'm like, where is this coming from? And it's because I never dealt with my past. And I was still stuck in that same cycle of my life. And so, Every poor choice starts as a thought before we take the action, and, and Satan loves, that's where he lives and lies, and when I was dealing with all this stuff, my wife would try to be there for me, and I would just push her away, and then the lies that I would believe, like, I married the wrong person, she doesn't get me, or if I only married someone else, and Satan would just beat me up with these things, and I started believing them, and because of those lies that I believed, I ended up being unfaithful to my wife. And I crushed her, and I crushed so many people because of my actions. And I was still working at my church at the time. And what really is like the worst part about this is I didn't come clean. I got caught. And getting caught is always worse than coming clean. And even still, when I got caught, I was still trying to manipulate and twist the situation because I was so unhealthy. And as I continued to do that, things got so bad that my wife decided to leave me and move back with her family. And the things got so bad with the church, they decided to remove me from com communion with them. At this point, I was at my low. I felt like I lost everything, and I would never recover from it. I felt like no one loves me. No one's there for me. God doesn't love me. He's not there for me. I will never recover from this. I thought I would have no ministry ever again, and I was at my lowest. And in my lowest, 
I remember sitting in my bathroom with a loaded shotgun, ready to end it. I was like, I won't recover. There's no point of living anymore. In that moment, my best friend Will calls me to pick up, and he says, Nick, I'm on my way to come over. I think I need to take your shotgun away from you. And I said, well, I think that's a good idea. And honestly, that is an example of God's love and grace being poured out in my life. And I, I don't know, you might think, like, wait, how is that God's love? You felt so far from him. And there's an awesome video I saw on Instagram that I wish, like, I could show you guys. But it was a, a daughter and, and a father, and they're doing cheerleading. And he throws his daughter up. He calls out a direction for her to do. She doesn't. She almost falls, and he catches her. And he says this to her, and it's so powerful. Um, he says, that's why it's important to follow direction so you, so you don't get hurt. But don't worry, I will always catch you, and I won't let you hit the ground. God called me right before I hit the ground. That was his moment. I'm stepping in to protect my son because God is a good father, and he always loves you. And something I've realized, like, God's love never changes. It's as much as it is when you're at your highest as at your lowest. He's consistently love and extending grace. So I felt, all right, God, this is definitely you. So maybe, maybe there's something here for me. Um, so I got into counseling. I went to a Christian counselor, started talking with him and meeting with him. And he kept pushing, hey, you need to be vulnerable. You need to be open. And you need to be transparent. And at first I was like, nope, not doing that. Nope, I'm good. Like, I will deal with this on my own and I'll be okay. I was still wrestling with these feelings. Uh, but eventually I decided to open up to him and I told him everything. And partly because by law he can't tell a soul anything I had said to him. And so that made it really easy. And, you know, baby steps, but I did it. And it was really cool because when I did that, all he did was say, well, Nick, I still love you the same. I'm still here for you the same, and I still care about you. And like, that was the first time I was like, wow, that's, that's an amazing feeling. I now have someone on my side walking life with me, what I'm dealing with. And so because I told him everything, we were able to identify some of the issues I had, and all of it really stems from my relationship with my mom. Something he shared with me that I, I think is pretty powerful uh, he said, whoever has influence in your life will dictate your learned behaviors. So that can be good or bad. That can be a spouse. That can be a boyfriend. That can be a girlfriend. That can be so many things. But for me, that was my mom. And it was negative. Just like my mom, I was a manipulator. I was a liar. I was a deceiver. I, was, I did anything to twist any situation to try to protect me. And because of that, we were able to come up with three principles to kind of combat that and just start changing my mindset and how I thought. So when things got hard for me, I usually had a negative outlet that I ran to. Like, like when things got hard, I would just sabotage myself. Um, I would, I've been saying it the whole time. I tried to deal with everything alone. did not work. And then I had no healthy hobbies. Like being alone like, in, is not healthy for anyone, and that's where Satan gets in your head. He's like, you need a healthy hobby. And so the three things we came up with, when things got hard, I would go for walks and listen to podcasts. And like, real quick, let me just say, if you feel far from God, get alone with him in nature. He will speak to you. Like, I try to walk every night because I just feel God's presence and, and the sound we're hearing now, like all of that. And I cannot stress that enough. Take a walk. Um, the second thing that we said was, hold on, sorry, lost my spot. Oh, healthy hobby. Thank you. Healthy hobby. I was so out of shape. I was 365 pounds at this time. I was miserable. And so I joined a gym. I joined a CrossFit gym. And I wish I could talk about CrossFit like more. And I know that's the joke. Oh, CrossFit guys talk about CrossFit. But like God really used that in my life. Like I had no community. And although I think the most important is obviously a Christian godly community, but that gave me, that was a stepping stone for me to feel comfortable in a group again. And God used 
CrossFit in my life to help me just take another step. And the last thing he said is, Nick, when things get hard, you need someone to lean on. And I was like, nope, still not doing that. I'm good. Like, I will figure it out on my own, and I'll be fine. And he said, Nick, you just opened up to me, and you saw how I loved you, and I don't change a thing like how I feel about you. I think you'll be surprised how people you open up to will treat you. So, all right, fine. So I called my best friend, Will. And I said, well, I'm coming over, and I'm telling you everything. And I'm like, I'm just getting it all out. That's it. And we went from, like, first grade when I stole candy up until the present. I just was like, I'm getting this all out. And uh, it was really cool to see how God worked in that conversation because he ended up stopping and just looking at him and said, Nick, thanks for sharing. I still love you. We're still friends, and I'll still always be here for you. And this is how I knew that our, he meant everything he said because our friendship is, revolves around one major important thing. It's Taco Bell. And he's like, well, let's go get some Taco Bell and chill and hang out. And like, I was like, all right, we're good. And once again, I was like, wow, like, this is awesome. Like, I, I realized like, I don't have to deal with this alone. Like, like there's people out there who, who actually care about me and love me and want to help me as I'm dealing with these things. Um, but I was still not feeling the church thing. I was like, all right, God, you're working, but uh, not really ready for church yet. And I'll never forget, I was getting out of the shower one night and I said, all right, God, like, what's, what's next? Like, I'm not really sure, but I feel like you're working. And I got a text from Doug. And he said, hey, I would love to see you in church. 30 seconds later, I get a text from Anthony Cry. Hey, I would love to see you in church. And at first, I'm like, nope, these two planned it. They talked. Like, I'm not falling for it. That, that, that's not it. And uh, I talked to them later, and they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. We didn't talk. We just felt God led, them, led me to reach out to you. And I was like, wow. All right. God, that's cool. And I think what's really cool is like God used the same person when I was a kid to get saved to bring me back to him. So I started coming to church and I was very open and honest with Doug. And I was like, Doug, I feel uncomfortable. I'm nervous. I feel like people are going to shun me, be mad at me and just treat me poorly. And he he looked at me and said, Nick, they'll have to get through me first if they're going to do that to you. I love you. You're welcomed here. We want you to be here. And he just extended grace and love. And like that feeling to me was like such a confident feeling. And so I started coming, but I would come late and leave early. And at this time, you know, most of the staff kind of knew my situation. And every time I came, they would just surround me with love and grace and just treated me normal, just like anyone else. And just, it was a very awesome feeling to feel that. And, and I just want to quickly say like, guys, this is a healthy church. It's no such thing as a perfect church, but this is a good church. They care about the people who are here. They cared about me. They loved me. They extended grace and love, just like Jesus shows us in the scriptures. And it was just awesome to feel that. But I knew I couldn't run back into things with the church. So I took some time and I said, God, when you tell me to move, I'll move. And the reason why I did that was because I knew if I just jumped right back in, old Nick would come right back. And so I took some time and I patiently would come. And as God would tell me to move, I would move. And eventually I realized you know, there comes a time where I can't be hiding anymore. And something that I learned through counseling was like, I need an inner circle of men that I can lean on to break the cycles that I get stuck in, got stuck in. Because once I open up to my counselor, once I open up to Anthony, once I open up to Doug, everything I was struggling with, like, like automatically broke that cycle. We were able to work through it and pray for me. And it was like life-changing when I realized I don't need to deal with this alone. And so as, we, as I close, not close, but as I'm wrapping up here, um, I just want to give a couple stories real quick. Um, this year has been a pretty tough year for me, and, but it's also been an awesome year of growth. Um, this April would have been six years married, and 
Every year I get healthier, I kind of feel the weight of my action and how I acted and, and how I hurt people. And this year was tough, like I was a mess. And I realized I was faced with the situation. Do I go back to old Nick and try to deal with it and get stuck in the same cycle because it's not possible, or do I reach out to Doug? And I reached out to Doug, and I'm so happy I did. Man, we sat and talked, and I, I was yelling, I was screaming, I was crying, and Doug just sat there and just let me go. And we prayed and we talked, and like that weight off my shoulders, knowing Doug was there to walk through it with me, was so satisfying. It was so like the love that he showed me just poured out on me. It was, once again, just something that's so powerful that I think is that everyone needs to feel. And because of that, it broke that cycle. And it was just like, all right, done, great. Um, and so when I look back at my testimony, I can see like so many times God gave me opportunities to break the cycle, and I didn't. And I kept going, you know, trying to hide it, trying to fix it on my own. It just would not work. And so today, I think, you know, there's probably some people here stuck in, stuck in some cycles, and I want to give you that opportunity to break it. And I want to be clear, like, I want my failures to help you guys succeed. Where I fail, I want people to win. And so um, with that in mind, um, there's a verse that I think is really important that kind of speaks into why an inner circle is so important to have. And that's James 5.16. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I can 100% agree it produces wonderful results. And to me, that verse, all it says is confession leads to healing. And I don't mean that in a condemning way. I mean, that's, like, that's a very freeing feeling to think, like, wait a minute. If I reach out and get the help I need, like, I'll start the healing process, and I won't be stuck in it. And that is just a great thought to think about, like, you don't have to carry that burden alone. And that's why I'm saying, like, guys, this is a great church. This is a healthy church. This is a church that loves and cares and wants to be there for everyone here. And so in my testimony, I feel like there's about five different people that I've been, and I think you can sure relate to any five of them. And uh, quickly, I'm just going to touch on each one of them. And uh, the first person I think is out there, and this is me. And to be clear real quick, like, all, these five people is where I failed. Once again, like, this is where I came up short. So I want you to succeed. So the first person is the person who is in their thoughts. They're the guy who, like I said, every sin starts with a thought. And right now you're in your thoughts and you're struggling and you're, you're Satan just attacking you. And, and to me, like, this is the place where you can break the cycle before it even starts. This is the place where, like, you can come and they'll walk with you here and they'll, they'll help you with anything you're dealing with. And I think one of the biggest lies that Satan says is, uh, the grass is greener on the other side. I think that's a big one. And something that I learned is that the grass is not greener on the other side. It's wherever you water it. Wherever you put the effort in, God will change it. So don't believe the lies that your relationship's over or whatever you may be dealing with. Like, confession leads to healing. Reach out to someone here. I am so grateful for the people in this church that when I reached out to them, they were there for me. The second person, I think... Uh, that I was, and I think some people can relate to, is the person who was walking with God but secretly trapped in the cycle of sin. I mean, that's, that's a tough one because for me, you know, being involved in church, I thought I had to be perfect. But what God told me, it's not being perfect, it's about being authentic. And this church is all about authentic people. This church is all about saying it's okay to not be okay. God is welcome to you. We want to help you. We want to extend grace. And we want to help you with every, whatever you're dealing with. And I know some people are like, you know, like, no, I'm a Christian. They can't know. And, and I'll be fine. And 
I guess like the way I can say it in a short sentence is like swallow your pride because there is no room in that for change. Like in, in a verse that I think is really powerful that relates to that is James 4, 6. And it, and it says, he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, if you humbly reach out for help, God will extend grace and help you deal with whatever you're dealing with. He will change your life. And God, I, I mean, God wants to use people to do that. And I believe he wants to use this church to help people break cycles. Um, this person uh, is not necessarily something, someone that I was, but it's the person who I hurt. And I think there's a lot of people here who have been hurt by sins. Um, but to keep it on me, I, I want to be you know, clear about my own sins and my own issues. And if you've ever been cheated on, like, I want to apologize to you. If that person ever owned it, like, I am so sorry they treated you that way. There is no excuse for that action. It is never okay. And I want to be like, do not blame yourself. That is never your fault, ever. No matter what you don't think, oh, if I only did this, if I only did that, no. Nope. It is never your fault. And, you know, when I went through this with my, my wife, I think, you know, we talked about a lot. And... I think there's a lot of people in this camp than we realize because the feelings that she felt was shame and guilt and embarrassment. And someone like me who was unhealthy, I leveraged those feelings because when you feel embarrassed, you don't want anyone to know. And so I would be like, hey, yeah, I'm embarrassed too. Let's, let's just keep this quiet and we can deal with it. And that is so wrong. And if anyone ever does that to you, like that's one thing God never does. He never leverages guilt, shame, and embarrassment. What he does is extend grace in love. And I think an awesome verse that really speaks to that is Proverbs 34, 4 to 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. God is not a God of shame. God is a God of grace and love. And don't feel embarrassed. If you're going through anything, like, they will cry with you and walk through life with you. Like, this is a church who will not judge you. And then this person here, this is the outsider looking in. Um, this is the, the Karen, as I put it, you know. Uh, this is a unique person because you have an opportunity to build into people or break them down. And uh, it breaks my heart that I was this person because God gave me so many opportunities to extend grace and love to so many people, and I just didn't. An example of that, there was a guy in my old church who uh, moved, and his family was supposed to meet up with him, but once he moved, he said, don't bother coming, like, we're done. And, like, that really hurt me, and that upset me. And about a month or two later, he sent me an email, and it was an uh, email about some Christian rapper, and he's like, how cool is this? And, like, I was like, oh, no, nope, no, not, not having this. And I wrote back the most harsh email you could think of. Like, I went off on him, justified it with scripture. I mean, it was awful, at the, but at the time, that's why I thought, oh, I'm going to put him in his place. And the only thing he sent back to me is, have you ever considered throwing someone a life vest instead of an anchor? At the time, I was like, that's stupid. I don't get that. Until I went through what I went through. When I was at my lowest, I thought the people who would be there for me weren't. And they treated me that same way I treated him. And I cannot believe that I made people feel that way. The rejection, the, the, the judgment, and everything like that just broke me. And, and I believe... God had let me experience that in order to change me. And I want to, you know, challenge anyone who really struggles with, you know, showing grace. Um, you know, I want to put it this way to you. You might be someone's will. You might be someone who is hurting and you're the one who's going to reach out to them. 
and protect them and be there for them. And God might want to use you that way. Do not miss that opportunity to be a will to someone. And the last person is the person who thinks they lost it all. And I want to close with this person because I think this is one of the most important people where you feel like you have nothing left. When you feel like everyone has abandoned you and left you and you think it is over. And I've been there and I get it, but I can tell you, although you feel abandoned by people, God has never abandoned you. God is a God of chances. God is a God of grace and a God of love. And there's not a thing that you can do that will make God turn away from you. He will always be there for you. He will always love you. And I believe, just like me, I thought my life was over. Like, when I share that, I thought I'd never have any ministry. And you fast forward now that I have this opportunity to share my story. And I believe God wants to do that in your lives. But first, you got to break that cycle. And if you're in this place, man, I cannot tell you, like, reach out. Like, the moment I did that and I surrounded myself with people like Doug and Andrew and Joey and Joe and Anthony, like, God worked. And I think God wants to work too. And so, in closing, I just, you know, want to say that this is a great church. I know I keep saying that, but like, I want that to be driven home, guys. And like confession leads to healing. You want to break that cycle? You got to get in talking to someone and deal with it. And at the end of this, if you're still, you know, not feeling about it, you know, a little nervous, like, ah, I don't know about the church thing, and you're here right now, join a community group. Like, that is so powerful if you do that because, like, you can come now and just kind of watch from a distance, and you can see how God works. You're not, they won't have you do anything. They won't make you chant and do nothing. You can just sit and, and come and just see how God works. And I promise if you do that, over time, you realize this is an awesome place to be. Guys, thank you so much for this opportunity, and I uh, just want to call Doug up this time. Thank you. Awesome. Let's, get, let's hear it for Nick's story and what God's done in his life. So appreciate him sharing, man. So cool. So amazing that he's able to just be vulnerable and talk from all that he's been through. And super proud of you, man. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate all the hard work. Uh, I know that God's used him in a lot of lives today. And so I just want to kind of close out in prayer and just give a couple opportunities. I just want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you found yourself somewhere in Nick's story. I think we can all relate to something that he brought up. Maybe we're one of those five people. And I just want to encourage you to think about that, pray about that, let that impact you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've seen testimony after testimony of people who got baptized tonight saying Jesus has made a difference. You've heard Nick's story. And God is a God of grace. And we always want to be a church that's a church of second chances, tenth chances, a hundredth chances, because that's who God is to us. And I love what Nick said tonight because I think it was wrapped up in grace and truth. I think he helped us get some guardrails in place, and he also helped us realize that Jesus never gives up on us. And so I'd love to pray with you guys now and uh, just help you maybe take a few steps, all right? So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Nick's story, and thank you for him just pouring his heart out all day. Thank you for all those that got baptized and their stories. And we're just celebrating you tonight. As Nick introed his his uh, message tonight, he really said that this is the God story, not the Nick story, and that's true because we've seen this theme of grace and of second chances and of hope and of uh, satisfaction wrapped up in all the stories today. And so I thank you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to pray about something that hit your heart. What are you going to take into this week with you? Somebody that got baptized today said, I didn't want to just hear a message on Sunday and then go home and not live it. I wanted it to impact me. And so I believe it was Sandra. And so like Sandra said, God, would you help what we heard today? to impact us this week and make a difference in our life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I encourage you to pray with me now. You can just pray something like this and be in that conversation with him. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me your tremendous grace. I thank you that you never give up on me, God. I pray you'll keep drawing me closer to you, showing me your grace, showing me who you are, what it means to follow you. 
And I thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name I pray, amen.